You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. problem. We have a main problem is that most of us know that the Lord can do all things. Most of us know that the Lord is the creator of the universe. He holds everything in his hands. He can do exceedingly abundantly all that we would ever imagine or ask. But our problem is most of us don't believe he will. We believe he can, but we don't believe he will. Many of us have little to no problem proclaiming the power, majesty, and wonder of God. However, we don't always live out such proclamations when it comes to God doing things in our lives. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on the importance of truly believing that God both can and will work wonders in your life. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 11 as he begins his message, Do You Believe This? John 11, we're going to look at verses 17 through 27. I'm going to read aloud if you would like to follow along silently, please. So when Jesus came, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Mary said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. So a man was walking along a ledge, and he fell off this cliff. And as he was falling off the cliff, he grabbed, and he was hanging from a tree. Looked down many, many feet below. It was just hanging there. He yelled up, Is anyone up there? The voice came back, Here I am. I'm the Lord. Do you believe me? He answered, yes, Lord, I believe. I really believe, but I I can't hang on much longer. Voice came back, that's all right. If you really believe, you have nothing to worry about. I will save you. Let go of the branch. There was a long pause. The man yelled back, is anyone else up there? 
Come on, don't tell me you haven't been in that situation. Come on now. See, what happens here, we have a main problem. We have a main problem is that most of us know that the Lord can do all things. Most of us know that the Lord is the creator of the universe. He holds everything in his hands. He can do exceedingly abundantly all that we would ever imagine or ask. But our problem is most of us don't believe he will. We believe he can, but we don't believe he will. Have you ever heard the term cafeteria Christian? A cafeteria Christian is one who picks and chooses which parts of the Bible to believe and which parts of the Bible to lay aside. And they take a bird's eye view of the Word of God. And the downside to this is that they will always be someone on the outside of whatever church they're attending since they can't affirm 100% to what is being taught. And this is a dangerous position to be. You begin to think that you know better than those that have studied the faith or are in the teaching position. And you think you could be getting the truth, but you don't understand it because you fall into error because you take whatever sounds best to your ears. You risk of mixing and matching whatever you want, and so you create your own theology. You justify your own passions and your own actions as well. I firmly believe that what you believe determines how you live your life. Let me repeat that. I believe that what you believe determines how you live your life. If you're creating your own theology, you basically can do whatever you please because you can justify it by your own created doctrine. And this is what Paul was writing to his beloved son, Timothy, about in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy in the first four verses. Listen to what Paul, writing young Timothy, says. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. He's telling Timothy that man, by his natural instinct, does not want God's revelation. Man, man would rather hear what he wants to hear because his ears are itching. And this is the problem with cafeteria Christians. They're selective in what they accept as true and what they believe. If it sounds good and it tickles their ears, they're all for it. But don't you dare upset them. Don't upset them when you use words like repentance, hell, sin. When you use those kind of words, they're hard on their ears and they cannot accept them. These people call themselves Christians, but they deny the accuracy of Scripture. They deny the truth of the gospel, especially the cross. They deny it, and they deny the basic doctrines of Christianity. And despite the ironclad promises of God revealed in His Word, they question it. They question the Bible. For this reason, Paul tells Timothy to preach the Word, because only the Word of God can change a man's heart. It's only by the Word of God that we are changed and cleansed. Once people leave the Word of God, they embrace fantasies. They embrace fables. And when man rejects God's truth, it isn't that he believes nothing. That's not the problem. 
The problem is that when man rejects God's truth, he will believe anything, anything at all. So the issue is faith. What do you believe? What do you believe? What is the basis and truth of your belief system? And as we come to today's verses, Jesus is challenging the faith of his disciples. He's challenging the faith of Lazarus' sisters. And he's challenging the faith of those who have gathered to mourn with the sisters. Jesus is challenging them to believe upon him, to trust in him for the very life and life eternal. And he wants to strengthen their faith. As we read last week, Jesus is returning to Bethany, which is about two miles from Jerusalem. He's going back there because he got a message from the sisters, Lazarus' sisters, that said, basically, Lazarus, the one whom you love, is sick. Jesus told the disciples, this sickness is not unto death. And the messenger took that and ran back with it. But he also said it was for the glory of God, that the Son of God would be glorified in the midst. And then after receiving this message, Jesus waits two more days before he leaves. He waits two more days before starting back to Bethany, and this is the beginning of this faith challenge. Why the unexpected delay? If Jesus really loved these people, why would he wait to return to help them out? And this confounded the disciples. We talked about this last week. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing. Jesus even told them it was going to be your benefit, but they were confused. They were confounded. And finally, Jesus is ready to travel. And once again, he confounds the disciples when he says, Lazarus is sleeping. Well, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get rest. No, no, no. Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. So they come now, and Jesus says, and I'm glad for your sakes I was not there so that you might believe. Once again, the disciples go, wait a minute. Lazarus is dead, and you're glad? That doesn't compute, Jesus. Your, your friend, the one who you loved is dead and you're glad? So everything Jesus has done so far has been done to strengthen the faith of those he's around, to strengthen the faith of his disciples, to strengthen the faith of Lazarus' sisters as he gets there. So he's trying to challenge them. He wants to strengthen their faith. See, faith is a growing exercise. It's a growing experience. And every opportunity we have to exercise it closes, makes us closer to Jesus Christ. When we exercise our faith, remember, what's the only thing that pleases God? Faith. So when we exercise our faith, when we believe in times where it's very difficult to believe, we draw closer to God. We come closer to Him through this belief system that we have. I mean, we want our ties to be strengthened with Jesus because, after all, he is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one who began our faith, and he is the one who's going to complete the faith. It's his to do. And as I was studying this, I read something that I just, I just have to share. And, and it's the most magnificent thing I've read in a long time, and I, I just love it. And it's basically the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. He's the author and finisher of my faith. The one who created the universe and holds it together. The one who always was, who always is, and always will be. He's the author and finisher of our faith. And the, and, and the scripture goes on and says, fix your eyes upon Jesus while we look to Jesus. And when you look to Jesus, what do you see? What do you see when you look to Jesus? Well, 
You see the one who is unmoved? Do you see the one who is unchanging, undefeated, never outdone? Do you see the one who was bruised that you might be healed? Do you see the one who was pierced that you might ease your pain? Do you see the one who died to give you life? Do you see the one who fought the battles against the darkness to give you peace? Do you see the one that the world can't understand? Do you see the one that the armies cannot defeat? Do you see the ones that schools can't explain? Do you see the one that leaders can't ignore? Do you see the one that Herod couldn't kill? Do you see the one that the Pharisees couldn't confuse? That Nero couldn't crush? Do you see the one that the New Age can't replace? Do you see the one that nobody can explain or replace him? He's light. He's love. He's the Lord. He's goodness, kindness, gentleness. He's God. He's holy. He's righteous. He's mighty. He's powerful. He's pure. He's always right. His word is true. He's unchanging. And he thinks of me and he thinks of you. He's my redeemer, my savior, my guide, my peace. He's my joy, my comfort, my hope. I serve him. I love him. And his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He gives me life and more abundantly. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, all-caring. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He'll never leave nor forsake me. He'll never mislead me. He'll never forget me. When I fall, he picks me up. When I fail, he forgives me. When I'm weak, he's strong. When I'm lost, he shows the way. When I'm afraid, he stands by my side. When I'm hurt, he heals me. When I'm broken, he mends me. When I'm confused, he leads me. When I'm hungry, he feeds me. When I have problems, he solves them. Is that what you see when you see Jesus? Is that what you stare at when you look to Jesus? You want to know why sometimes I walk around with this goofy smile on my face? Because I've been looking at Jesus. I've been staring at him. I've been looking to him. And every time we experience a suffering, and every time we experience a trial, this ought to increase our faith. But it's not automatic. We must respond to the ministry of the word of God through his Holy Spirit. This is a responding thing. This is the Jesus who we talk about all the time. Is this your Jesus? Is this your Savior? You look at him like this for your needs? Jesus sent a promise to the sisters through a messenger. The sickness is not unto death. But Lazarus died. Now Jesus returns to Bethany, and he's going to look to find out how did the sisters receive this message? How did they take this message that the sickness is not unto death? So Jesus arrives in Bethany, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found out that he, which is Lazarus, had already been in the tomb for days. So he gets to Bethany, and Lazarus has been dead, but been dead now for four days. Why did Jesus wait four days? Four days. Well, many of the scholars believe that Jesus waited four days because there was an old Jewish superstition. And the old Jewish superstition basically said that the soul stayed near the grave for three days hoping to return to the body. And therefore, it was accepted that after four days, there was absolutely no hope of resuscitation. There was absolutely no hope. The person was in dead. Indeed. I believe that Jesus wanted to take away all possibilities. He wanted to take away all likelihood of this person being resuscitated. He wanted to take away the Jewish superstition. He wanted to take away everything because he wanted to do a work. He knew what he was going to do. He knew exactly what he was going to do. And he wanted to challenge their faith. Why? 
to strengthen it. Why? Because he also knew that he wasn't going to be with them very longer. He knew what was down the pike. Persecution, trials, affliction, tribulation. He taught about that. He teaches about that. He knew that was coming, and he knew in order for them to get through this, their faith had to be strong. Their faith had to be strong, and he needed to strengthen it. They were going to have hard times, and their faith needed to be unwavering. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, our faith needs to be unwavering. Our faith needs to be unwavering. And we kind of joked about it the other day. And we said that we as Christians are flatlined. We're flatlined because we're dead in Christ. We're flatlined. But some of us live like we're on a roller coaster. Hey, things are great. Whoa, things are bad. Oh, things are great. We're up and down, up and down. Our faith should not waver. We should stand strong and steadfast during these hard times. We should be immovable in our faith when we realize who Jesus is, when we fix our eyes on Jesus and look at all those descriptors that I read through. We should fix our eyes on him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly all that we can ever dream or imagine or ask. Because we know that death's been defeated. We have an eternal resurrected destiny with Jesus Christ. And we should stand firm and unshakable all the more for him right now. Because why? Because right now counts forever. What do we have right now? The present right now. So they arrive in Bethany. They get to Bethany, and it says two miles. Look at 18. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And remember, the disciples were kind of upset because they were going back into the area where the Jews were and the religious leaders were, and they wanted to get Jesus. But Jesus' timing's perfect. Now, the next thing we read is that many had come out to comfort the sisters in their time of mourning. Let's look at 19 and 20. Now, many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. They used to they used to have official mourners who would come out and mourn with the family. These people were the official mourners of the town. And when there was a time for mourning, they would all get together and they'd sit around and they'd wail and cry and they would mourn with the family. So they came out to be with Martha and Mary. And in the midst of everything, Mary, or excuse me, Martha jumps up and runs out of the house. Look at verse 20. Now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Because Martha is the first one to get to Jesus, Jesus is going to test and challenge her faith first. He's going to speak to her first. And the rest of this passage that we're in, the 27, Jesus is now speaking to Martha by herself. It's all about Martha and Jesus. Now, we see a great contrast here between Martha and Mary that, that still exists. You remember the story in Luke, what we read last week, where they had a dinner party, Jesus was invited, Martha was doing all the work in the kitchen, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his words. Martha got upset because her sister wasn't helping, came in and complained to Jesus, and basically Jesus says, Martha, Martha, Mary has chosen the better spot. Mary has chosen to sit at my feet and listen. And what he was trying to tell Martha is that, Martha, you need to get your priorities straight, girl. 
The work's going to happen. The work's going to get concluded. But you need to get your priorities straight. The priority straighter is listening to me. I'm not going to be around very, war, very long. So although Jesus was not condemning to her, he was telling her that, hey, don't be torn apart by so many things. Prioritize. Seek first the kingdom. Prioritize everything that's going on. It's me first. Knowing this, we would expect Martha to run to meet Jesus while Mary stayed in the house with the mourners. Mary stayed in the house with the mourners because that's the way things go. So what happens? Martha gets there, she meets Jesus, and she quickly affirms some faith with a statement that she makes to Jesus. Read 21. Well, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. So she's exhibiting some faith. She's exhibiting some faith because nobody's ever died in the presence of Jesus. So she knew that if he had been there, that Lazarus wouldn't have died. Now, it sounds like a small rebuke, but I don't take it that way. I think it's more of a disappointment. I think it's more of a disappointment. I can hear her saying, why did you take so long to come? We called for you four days ago. Why didn't you come? I, I hear a disappointment in Martha's voice. And it's interesting, though, her faith is based on a very, very small word. Does anybody know what that word is? If. Her faith right now is based on the word if. If you'd have been here. If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have, my brother wouldn't have died. Do we base our faith on an if? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we have that little if comes in there. If I had done this, this wouldn't have happened. If, if I had done that, that wouldn't have happened. If, you know, we go through these if, ands, and buts. We go through these things in our head. It's an impossible imagine. But then she turns around a minute later and takes this small faith and changes it into a much larger faith. Listen to verse 22 when she says, but even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. I love that. She's looking at Jesus and said, okay, you weren't here, but I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Martha's faith is growing here. Martha's faith is getting pretty cool. She's, she, he's saying, listen, I'm still trusting in you. I'm disappointed as heck in you, Jesus, and I could punch you in this nostril, but I'm trusting in you. I'm trusting in you right now. This is a remarkable demonstration of faith, and we need to learn from it. We also must trust Jesus in the midst of disappointment. We must trust Jesus in the midst of delays. We must trust Jesus in the midst of afflictions and trials and even suffering. We need to know that whatever Jesus asks of God, God will freely give him. In fact, Jesus takes one thing further and says, whatever you ask in my name. Whatever you ask in my name. Do you believe in the even now? I love that, even now. Do you believe in the even now? Now, you might be confused by my statement, but let me say this. It looks pretty grim, your life, but even now, I trust in Jesus. Everything around me is falling apart, Lord, but even now, I trust in you. You are a sure Our time with you is coming to an end today on A Sure Hope. On our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue this journey through the book of John. But for now, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. 
We encourage you to download these messages so that they are available wherever you go. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for A Sure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 10 a.m. Give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit Assure Hope Radio for times and directions. If you're not able to join us in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live. Just look for the link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of John. We pray you continue to be blessed as you study the Word and that you discover how God's doing great things in your life. We look forward to you joining us again as Pastor Dave has more to share from this book that entails where Jesus walked and the amazing wonders he performed while here on earth. He's still doing wonders today too. Come hear about that next time on A Sure Hope.